Some of you will get to know a young lady in our church who is uh, the one who is responsible for these awesome skits we've had uh, through this series. Her name is Barbara Nelson, and she wrote all of these um, uh, scripts for the skits. So I want to give Barbara a hand, and let's give this team a hand. Great job. We're in the final um, message in a series entitled Man on the Run, and the series is about Jonah, and we all know the story of Jonah, and what we've done in this particular series is covered really chapters one and two, and uh, I'll come back later sometime and we'll cover chapters three and four. We broke chapters one and two down into five stages of of Jonah's life. Before I get into that, uh, inside your worship program are the sermon notes, and I want to ask you to do something. Turn your sermon notes over to the blank side and write this down. If you want a quick outline of the book of Jonah, the entire book of Jonah, it's very simple. In chapter 1, Jonah ran from God. In chapter 2, Jonah ran uh, to God. In chapter 3, Jonah ran with God. And in chapter 4, Jonah ran ahead of God. So I'm going to give you that at the beginning. I I was going to wait and give you that at the end, but I don't want to forget to give you that. So you just have a general idea of how the book goes. In chapter 1, he ran from God. Chapter 2, he ran to God. Chapter 3, he ran with God. Chapter 4, he ran ahead of God. But I want us to look at the five stages of chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Jonah, five stages in Jonah's life. Let's go back and review some of the things we've already talked about in the other messages. Number one was God's declaration. God's declaration. God declared his purpose, his will, his calling over the life of Jonah and said, I want you to go and preach the gospel to the people of Nineveh, so that they will believe and repent and come to me and yield their lives to me. So there was the declaration of God's purpose and will for Jonah's life. I want you to understand this, that the declaration of God's will over the life of Jonah is not any more important than the declaration God has made over your life. And God has made a declaration over your life. In God's big file cabinet up in heaven, there is a blueprint with your name on it. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a will, a calling for your life. And it is uh, the calling on Jonah The calling on Moses, the calling on Billy Graham is no more important than your calling. When we stand before God on the last day, we want to hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm telling you, God is not asking you to be Billy Graham or Moses or Abraham. God is asking you to be faithful in whatever he's called you to do. And what he's called you to do may put you in front of people or it may put you behind the scenes. But I promise you there is a calling of God on your life and all he wants you to do is be faithful. Be faithful. 
You are going to receive the same reward Billy Graham receives if you are faithful in your calling as Billy Graham has been faithful in his calling. Does that make sense? So there are no big I's and little U's in heaven. The Bible tells us that God is not a respecter of person. All God wants is faithfulness, that we do what he says and we fulfill our calling. And to do that will bring us the most fulfillment in life. It will bring us more fruit than any other thing we can do. It will give us more of a sense of, of completeness and fulfillment than any other thing. You can make millions of dollars and live in a mansion and drive all these awesome vehicles and you can have money in the bank, all that stuff. You're never going to have the fulfillment you're, you will have if you will turn to, the, to God and say, God, what is your will for my life? And then when he reveals it, you do it. And remember I told you last week that the best way to discover the will of God for your life is to do something. Do something. Now, a lot of people think the way you get God's will for your life is just pray and beg and pray and you wait for some revelation or some dream or some voice of God, like in the play, to speak to you and say, go and do this great thing. It's not going to happen like that, probably. i got to tell you, 99.9% .9 of the time when God wants to say something to me, he says it out of the word. He says it out of the written word. God will speak when you pray, and God will speak when you meditate, and God will lead you when you spend time alone with Him, but it's always going to flow with the Word of God. There's never going to be anything in addition to the Word, okay? It's always going to go with the Word of God. And so, so God has a will for you. The other way you find out His will, though, and I believe really um, the best way other than prayer and just seeking Him is to just do something. Just serve in some way. Here, here's one of the sayings we have here at Whitley Church. If you don't know what to do, just give your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand. And the place of greatest demand here at Whitley Church right now is probably in the, in the hospitality ministry, which would include ushers and all that stuff, and kids ministry. That's probably where the greatest demand is. And we have demands in other places, but that's probably where the greatest demand. When God sees you giving your heart and your hands to the place of greatest demand, then God will shine light on his more specific calling on your life. Does that make sense? When you send the message to God that I'm willing to serve anywhere, I'm willing to serve anywhere, then God will give revelation on his specific will for your life. I hope that makes sense. And... Um, and I hope you'll, you'll follow that because I believe that is very clear uh, in the principles of Scripture. So God's declaration. Then we see Jonah go, uh, we see Jonah hesitate. Now, uh, hesitation is not wrong, but it can lead to wrong. When you hesitate, hesitation can lead to running from God and ultimately rebellion and ultimately sin. And so though hesitation in and of itself is not a sin hesitation can lead to sin and all sin and rebellion can be traced back to first of all a hesitation okay and we're going to talk about why Jonah hesitated you know we're kind of hard on Jonah because he ran from God we're, we're kind of judgmental about him because he got on that boat instead of going to Nineveh where he was supposed to go but I'm going to tell you some things in just a minute that are going to make you go oh okay I can see why he fought that because I got to tell you I, and this is Pharaoh Hardison chapter 2 verse 8 but I think <laughs> I think and I always tell you when it's my opinion 
in my opinion, let me tell you two things about my opinion. Humble and very accurate. Okay. Um, um, I believe there are things God could have said to Jonah and Jonah would have went, oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't think Jonah was a rebellious person. I think this particular calling is what did it. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. So Jonah hesitates. Number three, stage three, Jonah's deterioration. Because when you run from God, you're always going to unravel eventually. It may look good in the beginning. And you may even fool people and they'll think, you know, he's running from God. But he's really getting away with this one, I think. I don't think God really either, either notices or, or God isn't gonna, he's going to kind of let him get by. It. Never going to happen. You're going to eventually unravel. When you run from God, you're going to eventually come apart at the seams. I promise you. We talked all about Jonah's deterioration. And then we came to stage four, Jonah's realization. And for Jonah to realize that God was not going to just let him keep on running. And let me just say this about God and his awesome, awesome love and compassion for us. When you decide to run from God, here's what you're thinking when you run from God. You're thinking, man, I hope he lets me get away with this. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because God, when you run from him, God is not going to say, well, we lost another one. Who's next? God loves you. God is going to, in a sense, pursue you. God is going to allow things to come that are going to get your attention. But he's also going to create some circumstances that are going to get your attention. Do you remember last week it said God sent the storm? God sent the storm. And I know the TV preachers don't like it when you say that, you know, because they like to say, you know, God doesn't send anything that's negative into our life. He is a parent. All you got to do is read Hebrews chapter 5, ladies and gentlemen. Hebrews, is it Hebrews 5 or 12. It's one of those chapters. They're both excellent chapters. But, but chapter 12, I think it's chapter 12, where he talks about discipline. And it talks about how God, because he's a daddy, will correct you. And correction and discipline is an act of love. Man, I'm telling you, if you want to do your children a disservice, let them get away with everything. You'll do them a complete disservice. If you don't draw lines now, a judge or a policeman will draw lines later. So, so uh, Jonah's deteriorating, and then, and then he comes to a realization, and, and, and God's dealing with him. And in order for Jonah to come to a realization, look what it took for him. He had to go to the bottom of the ocean. We're going to read today... In chapter 2, that he says, I went to the root of the mountain. He said, I went down to the root of the mountain, where the mountain begins. Now, you probably already know this, but Hawaii, for instance, is a mountain in the ocean, and the part that's sticking up out of the water is the top of the mountain, and it's Hawaii. If you look what's under the, that little island, you would see this huge mountain under there, and it's a volcano. It actually continues to erupt. Uh, we see pictures of it all the time. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to see. So, so what Jonah says is in order for me to come to a realization that I needed God, I, had, I, I fought against God so much, I pushed back against God so much, I had to go as low as you can go. Last Sunday was Limbo Sunday. It's a very spiritual day here at our church. Anybody do limbo last Sunday? What is the question? God bless you. Thank you, guys. Get these other people to loosen up. So, so on limbo, what's the question? 
How low can you go? That's what God's asking. How low are you going to go before you're going to turn to me? That's the question. Hey, guys, that's serious. What is it going to take? Some of you sitting right here right now, I love you so much, and I know you love me, little old teddy bear me. We love each other. And I say this in love to you, but you're running. You're running from God, and I'm saying to you out of love, what is God going to have to stir up? What kind of storm is your daddy in heaven going to have to stir up for you to go, i got to get stuff straight? Let's go to the fifth stage. Jonah's restoration. God said, go. Jonah said, no, thank you. Jonah was a believer. Jonah was not a heathen. Jonah was not an idol worshiper. He was a Jehovah worshiper, a Yahweh worshiper. Not only was he a believer, he was a preacher. He was a prophet. So why did he refuse to obey God? Well, I think it's really back up in Jonah 1 and 1 where God himself refers to the wickedness of Nineveh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this was a wicked bunch of folks. Matter of fact, this city was so wicked it was beyond anything you can imagine. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which is modern-day Iraq. They were absolutely horribly wicked people, difficult to describe. Let me just give you, and, and i got to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this is R-rated, what I'm about to give you. Now, not R-rated in the sexually explicit sense, but R-rated in the violence area. So I just want to warn you up front. might want to change the channel. <laughs> when the people of Nineveh would conquer a city or a region, they would rape the women, murder the children. Then they would take the men and skin them alive and bury them in the hot desert sand with their head sticking up out of the sand. They would pull their tongue out and drive a spike through their tongue into a piece of wood so that before that man either died of starvation or thirst, he would lose his mind. Once he was dead, they would cut his head off and put it with a lot of other skulls that they had reaped and they would build a pyramid in the middle of that city to say, we were here and we conquered. So when God came to Jonah and said, I want you to go preach to these merciless people and I want you to give them a chance to repent and get right with me, Jonah was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because not only had they done this to other nations, they had done this to the people of Israel. They had, they had done this to the people of God. And so Jonah said, instead of hopping on the next camel to Nineveh, I'm going to hop on a boat going to Tarshish because I've got to tell you something, God. I don't want anything to do with these horrible people, and I especially don't want to play any role in their repentance and getting right with you and going to heaven when they die. Now, that's the kind of preacher you want coming to town. I want you to die lost. I mean, that's how Jonah felt about these people. As a matter of fact, even later in chapter 3 when he went there and preached, he was like hoping they wouldn't. And then when they did repent, it ticked him off. What a great leader 
God said, go. Jonah said, so you remember how God sent a storm and it appeared that everybody on that boat was going to die? And I just think it's so cool and so interesting that the heathens, the idol worshipers, are the ones who reminded Jonah to pray. They said, hey, you got a God? And Jonah was yawning and waking up because he was down in the boat asleep. He said, yeah, I got it. They said, cry out to him because we've been praying hours for hours and he isn't doing anything. And we don't know who your God is. We don't know who you are. But would you please pray to him? I think that's interesting. Because here we have a prophet on the run. Did you know a, a preacher can run from God? A pastor can run from God. All of us are subject to be runners. Everybody. Everybody. We got a prophet running. And let me tell you what we got. We got us a prayerless prophet. We got a prophet who doesn't talk to God anymore. And that is the beginning of deterioration and downfall like you can never imagine. Jonah has stopped praying like a lot of people who call themselves believers. They claim to believe in God, yet they virtually have no prayer life whatsoever. Now, when I talk about this, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings here, but I'm not talking about your little prayer group. Now, I love prayer groups, and you ought to be in all the prayer groups you can be in, you know, and still be a good parent and a good spouse and all that stuff. I'm all for prayer groups and Bible studies and prayer partners. I'm for all that stuff. I got those things in my own life. So I'm not against those things, but those things are no substitute for your isolated times with God when you're all by yourself with God. Now, I don't know whether y'all know it or not, but my wife, Millie, I love me some Millie now. Okay? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, she's a gift from God to me. She is a gift from God to me. She is precious. She is one of the best pastor's wives I know. And I'm telling you guys, and I know she's my wife, but I'm telling you, you are so blessed. This woman has a passion for you and a passion for this church. I don't know many senior pastor's wives in a church this large who would take the, the nursery ministry and say, I'll do the nursery ministry. I mean, that's amazing. You know, most, most pastor's wives, you know, they walk in like the first lady, you know. Millie's in there would spit up on her right now. I'm telling you. We come home. She goes, hug me. I say, you smell like vomit. But <clears throat> I'll hug you anyway because I love you so much. Well, in order for me to woo her with my ways, <laughs> that's Ernest T. Bass. I'm quoting Ernest T. Bass. Y'all, Who knows Ernest T. Bass? All right. God bless you. The rest of you need to get in this order. But... I'm quoting Ernest T. Ernest T. Bass said, the way to get a woman is to woo her with your ways. Now, Ernest T. was a character on the Andy Griffith show. And I wanted to woo Millie with my ways because I wanted her to be my wife. I knew I was supposed to marry her. And I'm telling you, man, for a long time she played hard to get. And we'd go off with other couples and we'd go off maybe two or three couples and we'd all go somewhere and then we'd go double dating. I thought, if I ever get this woman by myself, buddy, I'm going to woo her with some awesome ways I got. And I got her. But I would have never gotten her if I would not spent time alone with her. That's where our relationship deepened. 
That's where I realized how much I loved her and how much she loved me when we were by ourselves. That's where your walk with God deepens. That's where your walk with God is no longer shallow when you have quiet, alone time with Him. So, I'm going to get kind of in your face a little bit this morning and ask you, how's that going for you? How's that going for you? We have a runaway prophet who is neglecting God and neglecting prayer. But now we come to chapter 2 and he's decided he's going to pray because he's in a fish. That'll do it every time. There's two places in the Bible where we learn what you have to come to to realize stuff. And when you start eating pig slops, that'll get your attention. And when you wake up in a fish, and evidently when you swallow a preacher, it makes you sick. <laughs> because this fish threw Jonah up later. I mean, the fish is just going along, and all of a sudden he gets a prophet caught in his throat. <clears throat> Jonah's in the belly of this fish. And I had some college kids a little bit older than that after church last Sunday, they said, do we have to believe that this actually happened or can we believe that it is allegorical? And I said, well, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about Jonah and he talked about it historical, not allegorical. So yeah, you got to believe it's real. You might not be there yet, but you'll get there. Just keep moving toward God. I just have a tendency to believe anything a man says who raised from the dead. I mean, if he came back from the dead and he says something, I'm going to be listening. <laughs> so here's Jonah. It's a beautiful Hebrew prayer. One writer, I love this, he called it the Psalm of Jonah. And you do know and understand that this is a snapshot of what he prayed in the, in the fish's belly. It's not all he prayed. I mean, he's in there three days and three nights. But I mean, what like Jonah was in the belly of the whale going... Could you be still? I'm trying to write this down so it can go in the Bible. He wrote it later after it was all over. And now he has the advantage of hindsight. So he's looking back on his time in that fish's belly. And he's writing down the best parts of the things he prayed. Now remember what we believe about the Bible here at Whitley Church. We believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we believe the Bible is without error in the sense that everything in the Bible is true. So, so the part that we're going to read in chapter 2, probably if you wrote everything Jonah prayed, there would be a lot of helps in there, you know. So if you wrote everything Jonah prayed, it would probably be, you know, 10 chapters in the Bible. But it's one little nine verse, so it's a synopsis of what he prayed. And really, if the Holy Spirit said, write this... So Pharaoh can preach on that in August of 2008, write this part, then this must be the best part. Amen? And so, so he's writing it, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's praying inside the bed of this fish, and after a while, you know, he, he's praying really after he learned what God's capable of when you run. Because if you want to find out what he's capable of if you run, just run. 
So verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. Jonah didn't try 10 other things. When he got inside that fish, he knew to get back with God and get out of this mess. If there was any hope, he needed to develop a dialogue with his creator. So he started praying. God's finally got his attention. And it's my prayer that what will happen because of this series is that God will get a hold of you and get your attention and that your devotional life and that your private time with God and that your prayer life will reemerge and be more powerful than it's ever been in your life before. That's my prayer for you. But the key to restoration is prayer. If you're away from God, the first thing you need to do is talk to him. When my wife and I are divided and we're having a little spat, as long as we got that Cold War. Y'all know what Cold War is in home? Anybody got that? Anybody ever had that in their house? Who's in Cold War now? No, 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 no. But you know that Cold War. What are we going to have for supper? I don't know. Whatever you want. You know that Cold War. But you know what breaks that and gets everybody back together is when people start talking. You admit you messed up and they admit they messed up and start talking. Then all of a sudden there's fellowship. And man, I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like making up now. I'm 51, but I ain't dead. <laughs> Amen? I'm at that age, you know, that kind of thing, cheeseburger or, you know, whatever. I mean, you kind of weigh which do I want most. I said that one time, and a guy came up to me after church. He said, if there's bacon on that cheeseburger, there ain't no decision to make. <laughs> I said, I'm with you, bro. <laughs> Preachers love to make up with their wives. See, y'all think we're not like you, don't you? We love making up. I just start an argument sometimes so we can make up. It's all in the strategy. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> Verse 2. He said... Uh, uh, Jonah said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. In my distress, if you're in distress this morning, hear me, hear me, hear me. In my distress, I called to the Lord and the Lord answered me. He answered me. Can you begin to grasp what we're talking about here? That you have been given total access to the maker of all things. You've been given total access to the creator of all things, to the sustainer, to the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who is enthroned and nothing makes him tremble. His law is above every law and he spoke and billions of planets found their place. You can talk to him. I'm in such trouble. What's the number at the church? Man, I don't need to be your first thought when you're in distress. You can call me all you want to. You can call the church. You can call the prayer team. You can call your prayer group. That's fine. I do the same thing. When I've got some stuff going on, I call people. There are people I call, and I, I send out an email to my prayer team, and I say, man, pray. But I'll, I'll tell you something. I don't do any of that till I have prayed. And that's what Jonah does right here. Jonah says, I cried out to my maker. 
Jonah said, I've got access to the God who made me. Jonah called on God and trusted his mercy. After just a few days earlier, Jonah had said, forget you, God. Forget your will. Forget your purpose for my life. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to preach to those people. They can all die and go to Hades for all I care. They don't deserve another chance. And here he is just a few days later saying, I cried out to that same God that I talked to like that. And he heard me. He heard me. Now, my leg goes up like that. We got something happening now. God in his kindness and his infinite grace answered Jonah. When Jonah was willing to confront his rebellion and own up. And when Jonah was willing to confront his sin and own up. And he spoke it. I have run from you. It is me who has run from you. You have never left me. I'm coming to you. God heard him. Paul said prayer is not to be a last ditch effort. We are to immediately come boldly before the throne of God. I don't know what you've done or what you've said to God recently about what you're not going to do. I don't know where you are in all that and and I don't know, you may feel away from God right now, but I'm telling you, he will hear you if you will cry out. You say, but you don't know what I've done and what I said. And you don't know what I did last night. Preacher, if you knew what I did last night, you wouldn't say these things. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did last night. You cry out, he will hear you. You cry out, you own up. And you cry out, and he will not just hear you. Jonah says, he will answer you. You say, God doesn't want to hear from me. Let me tell you about my son. My son's name is Mitch. And Mitch does video for us here. And he did video. Do you remember the VBS video? That was Mitch. These other guys are a great help to him. But Mitch has a drug problem. Mitch is an addict. And Mitch began to fail more often and more often and more often. So two weeks ago tomorrow, I drove Mitch to 100 miles west of Nashville, Tennessee, to a place called the Hope Center. Mitch will be there through the holidays. He's going to be there a long time. Mitch has broken every rule I've ever told him we have in our house. He's broken every rule. He's broken them over and over. But when I go to the mailbox since he left, and there's a letter in there from him, I can't get it open fast enough. And I take that letter and I run and say, Billy, I got a letter from Mitch. So I don't know what you've done or said about God or what you're not going to do. And now you say God doesn't want to hear from me. Let me tell you something. If you walk up here this morning and you begin to say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, and I want to be right with you. He's going to say, hey, hey, look who's here. He's going to cry out through heaven and say, hey, guys, look, look, look. 
But God, look what he did to you. Look what he said about you. And look at his life. Look at his life. How many times he's promised you and failed you. And how many times he said, I'll never do it again and did it again. I don't care. I don't care. I forget all about that. Look, he wants me. He wants me. He's talking to me. I'm telling you, that's how it is with God. I don't care what you've done. He has so much invested in you. He gave his only son for you. And I don't care what you've said or how much you've run or how much you've even blasphemed. If you come to him in repentance, he will come where you are and hear you and forgive you. So Jonah says, in my distress, in my rebellion, in my disobedience, in my running, in the mess I've got myself in that has caused me so much stress, I wish I could just somehow die. I called to the Lord and he answered me. That word distress is a Hebrew word and it's (coughs) T-S-A-R-A-H. The T is silent. (coughs) The S is like a Z, so it's Zarah. In my Zarah, in my Zarah, which describes the travail of a woman who is giving birth, the distress or the labor of giving birth, amen, women, the the pain of childbirth, Jonah, listen, listen, Jonah's inside the belly of this fish. Now, I don't want to make this say something it's not saying, but I want you to just hear me on this. Jonah's inside the belly of this fish talking about childbirth. I want you to think about that baby inside that mom. And David, I mean, uh, Jonah here is using a very unique word. That's why it jumps out. It's a very unique word that describes the travail specifically, the travail of childbirth. And it's almost like I hear Jonah saying, I am going through this distress and agony as if I am being born the second time. And I called to God and he answered me. Do you all remember what Nicodemus said to Jesus? He said, I am a teacher of the word. I am a man of God. I am known as a man of God. I'm a great religious leader. I walk it straight. I don't sin, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. I've got it all. I'm clean as a whistle. So can I get into the kingdom? Jesus said, no, sir. He said, well, what do I have to do to get into the kingdom? He said, you've been born of a woman. Obviously, you're here. Y'all have all been born of a woman. You're here. He said, but you must be born again of the Spirit. So here is Jonah talking about a second chance, talking about the Zarah. The distress of a woman travailing in childbirth. The distress of that labor. He goes on in the second part of verse 2 and he goes from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you answered me. There are people sitting in this sanctuary this morning who need help. But I want you to look at that word grave there because it is the word, and we pronounce it down here in the south, sheol. Our Western culture says Sheol. It is actually pronounced Sheol. It means the realm of the dead. It is interpreted in the King James Version as hell. 
So Jonah says, from the depths of my personal hell, I called on God and he answered me. Now I want you to hear me as I close this message and tell our guests what closing means. Nothing, but it gives you hope. Listen. Here's what Jonah was saying. Because some of you are here. Some of you are in this place right now. So this message is for you. Don't tune me out. you got chicken on the brain, but I'm telling you there will be plenty of chicken later. Listen. From the point where I was farthest from God, I called on him in prayer and he heard me and answered me. That's what Jonah's saying. See, somebody here feels barred from God this morning. Somebody here, you feel like God has drawn the line in the sand and said, I'm done. I'm done with you. You mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up. And you keep messing up over and over again. And I want you to know the last time you did that, that's it. I'm done with you. That is a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. Hear me today. Jonah says, from the point where I was farthest from God, from the place where I felt most miserable, from the place of hopelessness and helplessness and desperation and fear and pain and hurting, from my own personal shell, from my own personal hell, I cried out to God and he heard me and answered me. I want you to get it today. This is where Jonah cried out to God and God heard him. This is where some of you are. You may say, from the personal shale of my marriage, I cried unto God and he heard me. From the personal hell of trying to rear my children who are rebelling against me and will not do as I have taught them, I cried out to God and he heard and he answered me. Hear me this day, hopeless parent. Hear me, hopeless parent. Hear me, hopeless husband. Hear me, hopeless wife. You're hopeless. You feel hopeless about your children. You feel hopeless about your uh, your marriage. Hear me. It is from that dark place you can cry out and he will hear you and answer your prayers. Anybody listening to this today? Financial devastation, a loss of job, career. See, that's where a man gets his self-esteem. We get our self-esteem from our job, from making money and providing for our family. But sometimes a situation comes along where you can't get work. Now, if you're sorry, that's a whole other thing. You don't get to eat. Amen? You don't work, you don't. I love me some eating. So I work. Do you guys? If you'll work, God will make a place for you to have a job. Out of that desperation, out of that, out of that hopelessness, out of that I'm never going to be what I was or I'm never going to have what I was. I've lost it all because when I had it, I ignored God and I lost it all. And now I'm financially devastated and I have no job and I have no hope and I have no future. And my wife isn't proud of me anymore and my children look at me with disdain. I'm telling you from that dark place, if you will, cry out to God. He will hear you and he will answer you. 
some of you battle depression and you try to hide it. You try so hard. You don't want people to know about your battle with depression because you're a Christian. You ought to have joy and and you don't want to show that something's wrong with you and you're ashamed of that that, that depression. Or maybe you've got an uncontrollable temper and anger just is right there under that little thin layer of control and, and it just bursts out and your wife sees it and your husband sees it and your children see it, but you try not to let anybody else see it and, and you're battling with anger because of how you were treated when you were a little child and, and, you, and that's there and, and you battle with that and you battle with the, the depression and the loneliness and the phobias and the fears and the unforgiveness and all of that stuff is in you and it's dark and it gets heavy, and you try to hide it so people won't see it. And the more you try to hide it, the heavier it gets. I am saying to you this morning as your pastor that if you will cry out to God from that pit, he will hear you and answer you. You may be thinking today, I know that on the outside everything looks fine, but inwardly I'm, I'm hurting filled with all kinds of anxiety. And so from the depths of this inward Sheol, I call on God. I know He'll answer me. And from the deepest, darkest place, when I need Him most and deserve Him least, I know if I will cry out, He will hear me. What kind of God would He be if we were His children in those dark places? And when we cried out, He went, Ooh, that's a little heavy. Nothing's too heavy. I'm telling you, for some of you sitting right here listening to me preach this morning, all he's waiting is that cry. You'll do everything else. You'll go to counselors and therapists. And I'm not against that stuff. You take medicine, and I know all that has its place, and therapists and all that stuff have their place. And I'm, I'm not against that, and I'm not preaching against that. And I'm not suggesting you quit taking your medicine. But why don't you just go somewhere and shut the door and cry out? You say, I have. Cry out 10 days in a row. Cry out 14 days in a row. Cry out 30 days in a row. Cry out, because if God will not hear you in that dark place and answer you, then my Bible isn't true and I need to quit preaching. It's in the Bible. He will hear you and answer you. So I believe Jonah's prayer was kind of like this, if you'll let me imagine what he meant. When he uses the word Sheol, I believe Jonah was saying, I was good as dead. But God in his mercy caused me, Zara, to be born again out of this fish. I mean, it's pretty sickening, you know, that little part there, because it says he vomited him up. Now, you got to imagine what Jonah looked like, man. He's been in these digestive juices for three days. He's got little hair right here, just and the rest is bald, you know. He's just got that little bit hanging down. He had a great tan, but now he's bleached white. He stinks to the high heavens. His clothes are about half eaten off by the digestive juices. And he goes, repent. (laughs) Jonah says, in my own power, I was completely helpless. You've got to say this. Listen to me this morning. This is the place you've got to come to. 
See, you can, God isn't going to come running to you as long as you're going, holding on to this second plan over here, going, God, I'm just fully trusting you. God, don't leave yet. Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm fully trusting you, God. I'm fully trusting I'm here. When we've got this other thing we're going to do if God doesn't come through. You know why Jesus didn't come to Mary and Martha when they prayed and when they sent for him to come? Because when he got there, he wanted them to be totally desperate. He wanted Mary and Martha to say, it's all God right here. Because when he got there, Lazarus wasn't sick anymore. Lazarus was dead. So it was full trust. He felt helpless. There was absolutely nothing he could do to help himself. He says, God, I can't help myself. There's nothing I can contribute to my own salvation. But God, I was not hopeless because even in that place, though I did not deserve your love and mercy, you were still on the throne and you were still loving me and you were still hearing me. That's what I meant when I talked about Mitch a while ago. It doesn't matter what Mitch does. It doesn't matter how many times he breaks our rules. There's going to be a price to pay for that, but I will never stop loving him. And I will never stop hearing him when he says, Daddy, I want to quit. By his matchless power, God, Zara, through the travail and the pain and the agony he brought into my life, caused me to rise from the dead that I could be born again and start my life over in him. All right, let me read very quickly the rest of this chapter. And I'm not going to comment. I'm just going to read. You, God, verse 3, hurled me into the deep. You know, if he was a TV preacher, he'd go, God allowed it. He didn't say God allowed it. He said, you did it. He's a daddy. <laughs> when I did wrong, my daddy didn't allow me to get a spanking. He put one on me. My father allowed that into my life. No, he brought it into my life. <laughs> you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. That's the way some of y'all feel this morning. All your waves. Not waves. Who, who's? Your waves and breakers swept over me. And in the midst of all that, I said, I've been banished from your side. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like God don't even know where I'm at? He doesn't even know where I'm at. That's how Jonah felt. He said, yet, yet I knew, I knew. And I said, I will look again toward your holy temple. And the reason he said holy temple is because that's where the presence of God was. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around, seaweed was wrapped around my head. I'd have had to mention that too because I'd have hated that. Verse 6, the roots of the mountains, to the roots of the mountains. There it is. I referred to it earlier. I sank down. That means as low as you can go. How low can you go? He went all the way to the root of the mountain. The earth beneath barred me forever. That's how I felt. I was locked in. God was done with me. God wasn't going to hear me anymore. I was done. I was barred in. God said, I'm finished with you. He said, but you brought my life up. From this pit, O oh Lord my God. And when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And my prayer rose to you from the guts of that fish. 
Jonah sent up a prayer and it pushed through that fish and it pushed through those deep waters and it came out of the top of that water and it rose to glory and God heard that man's prayer in the depths of the root of the mountain. Then Jonah's got a little advice for all of us. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Some of y'all are doing that. You love God and you respect God, but you love your job and your possessions and your money more. I'm just saying. He says, and you're forfeiting the grace that could be yours. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. I love this right here. What I have vowed, I will make good. You see, Jonah made a whole bunch of promises to God and broke every one of them. He said, I want to tell you something, God. This whole fish deal, I'm a new man. What I've promised you, I'll do it. I promise. No more submarine rides for me, bro. Because I know one thing. My salvation comes from you. Would you stand? Jared, would you come? Jared and, and the band, I should have called them a little earlier, they're going to sing a song this morning. And I know, listen, it's 10 past 12. Let's, don't, let, let's just give God a little extra this morning. Do you mind? Come on, let's just give God a little extra today. You know, last night I watched the Panthers play and it went into overtime and I stuck right with them to the end. And we're going to do a little overtime here. And as these guys begin to play and they begin to sing... I want you to listen to this song. It says, are you tired? It says, do you feel, do you feel tired? Do you feel weary? Come home. That's what Jonah was doing. Jonah was running from God. He wasn't home where he belonged. I tell you, my son's going to be gone six months. Can I tell you, when he comes back, it's going to be a time of rejoicing and celebration. Come home. Come home. Mitch is in the belly of the fish right now. And, and I got to tell you, when he first went there, I thought he wasn't going to stay. I mean, he called me, and he was mad. He said, Daddy, I'm, I'm going to run away. I said, you got $60. You might get 30 miles. And I began to pray for him, his mom, and I began to fast for him. And then we got a call, and they said, hey, man, Mitch has had a total change of heart. He said he's gone around and apologized to all the staff here, and he said he's ready to do what he's got to do to get this thing behind him. And you guys have loved him and you've been so patient with Mitch and Mitch has been up there and down and up and down and you guys have never stopped loving him. That's just the kind of church you are. Jared's going to sing about that. and As he sings, I would really, I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. If you want to make a new fresh start in God, whether you're a Christian or an unbeliever and you want to become a believer, would you just walk up here today? Just walk up here and say, I'm serious, God. I want to get stuff right.
dark place. From that dark place, from that pit, from that pit, from that pit, from the belly of that fish, at the root of the mountain, I cried out to my God and He heard me and He answered me. As you depart this building today and go your way, you remember there is no place low enough. There is no place dark enough that the ear of God cannot hear your cry. Don't you ever doubt His love. Don't ever doubt His love. Don't ever doubt that He hears your cry. It's been an unusual day. It's been an unusual day. It may have been a little strong for some of you, but we need this. Because we live in a dark world that is merciless. We serve, a, a, we serve a God who is merciful, but there is an enemy who is merciless. And he wants to pull you under. And when you begin to feel yourself sink, in that place cry out. And he will hear your cry and answer you. I promise you, he will. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this great day. To your name be all glory and praise and honor forever and ever. And the people said, thank you for coming today. God bless you. Thank you for coming.